Welcome to the ERMI Podcast. I'm Joel F. I'm the Chief Content Officer at ERMI. And for over 40 years, ERMI has been an industry leader in educating and informing insurance risk management professionals like you. And you can go to ERMI.com to learn more about our insurance reference products specifically for agribusiness. And though you may not think about this, ethics are involved in almost any activity insurance professionals engage, including common dilemmas in the agricultural world. Ethics are the principles that guide us and hopefully positively impact our decisions and actions. Really, ethics play an essential role in our personal and business lives, and ethics are what drive us to tell the truth, keep promises, or help someone in need. In this 15-minute podcast episode, we bring you a snap talk titled, Are You Ethically Blind? It's by Rob Olson, a respected senior research analyst at ERMI and also a presenter at our 2022 Emmett J. Vaughn ERMI AgriCon conference. In this snap talk, Rob brings forward ethical questions and challenges for insurance and risk management professionals to contemplate. And after this snap talk, what we hope you'll come away with is a more reflective approach to your daily decisions and actions. Hello, I'm Rob Olson, CPCU. I'm a senior research analyst with International Risk Management Institute, or ERMI. And I'm a published author both for ERMI and for the CPCU Society. I'm also excited to be speaking at the 2022 ERMI AgriCon in Sacramento on March 7th and March 8th. 2022, and hope to meet many of you there as well as online. The topic that's always fascinated me has been ethics. And ethics, of course, applies not just to philosophy, but it applies to business, applies to government, sports, nearly any activity uh, that humans engage in. And so one, one area in particular that I've recently written about for the CPCU Society is that of error, blindness, and ethical fading. So I'd like to start off by uh, talking, by giving you a quote from Moliere, the French playwright. He said, quote, it infuriates me to be wrong when I know I'm right. So we walk through life believing we are right nearly all the time on nearly every topic. It gratifies our ego, it's paramount to our survival, but when other people hold diametrically opposed beliefs to our own, we often see them as ignorant, misinformed, or simply wrong. In contrast, we abhor being wrong and are often blind to our own errors. Being right affirms our sense of being competent, intelligent, and in equilibrium with our environment. Of course, as we all know, being wrong is an inherent part of being human, and yet we have not quite mastered the art of saying, I was wrong. When we, do, when we do admit to some fault, we often find a way to excuse it, such as, I was wrong, but, or I was wrong, however. But we must remember that being wrong can positively transform us. Making and, and recognizing errors help form some of our most humane and honorable characteristics, such as empathy, optimism, imagination, conviction, and courage. So there's error blindness, but there's also what's known a phenomenon known as ethical fading. 
error blindness and confirmation bias, where we're seeking out information unconsciously, perhaps, seeking out information which confirms our own biases, these both play a role in ethical fading. So ethical fading deals with the part of the brain that processes emotions, which also makes moral decisions. These decisions are often made instinctively and are therefore susceptible to self-deception. Self-deception allows one to act self-interestedly while at the same time falsely believing that one's moral principles are upheld. So ethical fading is related to the concept of moral disengagement. And moral disengagement refers to when a situation when people restructure reality in order to make their own actions seem less harmful than they actually are. So research shows that the, quote, should part of our internal dialogue dominates during the predictive and recollection stages or the prediction and recollection stages. When we're considering future ethical dilemmas we might encounter and then when looking back and justifying our decisions. In contrast, the want portion dominates during the critical action phase. So during that critical action phase, sometimes we can unconsciously consider put, putting our ambition or financial considerations first and foremost and focusing on our personal gratification rather than on the ethical implications of this. This can occur in a host of areas. So, for example, in agriculture, uh, a farmer is aware of the pest issue in his or her fields, but forgets or fails to tell his neighbor of the discovery. And this could impact the neighbor, perhaps, this may reduce that farmer's competition, or perhaps there's toxic runoff coming from the farmer's land and he, he fails to take the proper action. And he somehow, in his own mind, mitigates the problem. It can also occur in the insurance arena where you have big data and artificial intelligence and the creation of algorithms, rating algorithms, so that farm owner or a homeowner with poor credit, maybe that was due to a medical problem, is charged a higher rate. And so there are ethical implications as far as charging someone a higher rate or maybe charging someone a higher rate because they live in a particular community, maybe a poorer community. And that algorithm it, it's proprietary and it has all sorts of uh, basically uh, principles that determine what the rate's going to be. And in some cases, those principles, those algorithms may be discriminatory in some manner. So to get over, to overcome things like ethical fading and error blindness, it's important to engage in ethics training. And the first area in ethics training is to recognize these types of problems, to talk about these psychological dilemmas, these psychological problems that sometimes we're not even aware of. This can be done with 
training, uh, role playing, for example. And this will do it with role playing in these types of areas with, with applied uh, circumstances, uh, unique situations that, that, that can be applied, that, that these phenomena can be applied to in role playing you can come to a better understanding of, of these. So the first step is to recognize imperfect and incomplete knowledge. It was Emily Dickinson who wrote that the brain is wider than the sky. And St. Augustine, the philosopher, theologian, he talked about the mind being a vast, immeasurable sanctuary and who can plumb its steps. So we need to recognize that we often have imperfect knowledge we need to accept that errors and wrongness are not failures, that we can learn from them. That's what makes us human. And we should challenge confirmation bias, where once again, confirmation bias is our tendency to seek out news sources or opinions that mirror our own and confirm that what we believe is the truth is in fact the truth. And we are less likely to look at other sources and we need to rethink our euphemisms where we, we use terms such as risk-based pricing when in fact maybe that is unfairly discriminatory. We should also be wary of what's called the slippery slope where perhaps an, a, an insurance broker gets, becomes very aggressive in their marketing practices. And so each each step toward unethical behavior is so imperceptibly small that the result does not feel that different from previous practices. So example, going back to the broker example, he, he's facing financial difficulties. Increasingly aggressive sales techniques can, in a subtle way, turn into illegal activities. We should recognize that there are errors in, in perceiving causation. So in some cases, it's the system in place that can lead to unethical behavior. An example is what occurred at the Texas Child Protective Services a few years ago. A CPS, Child Protective Services supervisor, was terminated for falsifying governmental documents after she allegedly altered case records in the name of another employee. This supervisor was fired, but other former workers maintained that this practice was commonplace. They argued that the agency even encouraged this, and it was easy to do with the agency's inadequate reporting software. Other employees complained of unrealistic workloads and a toxic work environment. So if you have un unrealistic workloads, excessive workloads, let's say in, in an insurance agency or even an agricultural operation, then that, that makes it easier for someone to try and justify, cut corners, lie, justify somehow that the work that they're doing is that they've, they've achieved what they wanted to do, even though they've cut corners or done something in a incomplete manner. We should also, another aspect of the training is to recognize our tunnel vision. And remember that we each have our own perspective and just because someone else has a different perspective doesn't mean that they're wrong per se. 
but that looking at things from other perspectives, it will help you maintain your moral compass. And so we should seek out, once again, we should seek out information that goes against our beliefs and, and have someone, for example, in a meeting, play the devil's advocate so that we're looking at trying to look at things from different perspectives and trying to avoid groupthink. So overall, I just want to say that ethical fading and air blindness are inherent human proclivities. Virtually everyone unconsciously practices self-deception at some time or another. And this is bared, uh, borne out by peer-reviewed research, shows that air blindness and ethical fading are alive and well throughout the world. And yet, ethics training that I've seen typically focuses on other areas and, and doesn't really focus on these psycholog psychological phenomena. Addressing unethical behavior as a human tendency can fill gaps in current ethics training programs. Without these needed improvements to current ethics training, ethical mistakes will continue to be sugar-coated, denied, and overlooked. Thank you so much for your attention, and I hope to see you at the AgriCon convention in Sacramento in the spring. Thank you for listening. And be sure to subscribe to Ermi Podcast in your podcast app to be notified of new episodes on agricultural risk topics. In addition, if you like this podcast based on a snap talk from our conference, then we hope to see you either virtually or in person at our Emmett J. Vaughn Ermi AgriCon, which is March 7th and 8th in Sacramento, California, or virtually, and registration is now open at ermi.com.